Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And my only goal with this podcast is to inspire you to believe in yourself and that real love is possible for you, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. Hello, and welcome to episode number 314 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'm super excited to be back in your earbuds again this week, and I'm very excited to announce that today's episode kicks off a three-part series on the early stages of dating someone or meeting someone. And what I mean by that is everything from when you first meet somebody through the apps or you meet someone in person and you're sending some messages back and forth or texts back and forth all the way to when you're actually dating someone, but you're not really sure if you're on the same page or how they feel or if they see it going anywhere. Everything that's in between those two points, I think these three episodes will really help you to stay grounded and stay calm and hopefully as fear and anxiety free as humanly possible. So this will be a three-part series that will come out for three consecutive weeks, which means if you are familiar with my schedule of the podcast, things are going to get shifted around a little bit here in June 2022, if you're listening to this in real time. Uh, So the next three episodes will actually be solo episodes, 
and there won't be another podcast coaching call until the fifth Thursday of this month, which will come out June 30th. So normally I release episodes on Thursdays, the first and third being a coaching episode, the second Thursday being a solo episode, and then the fourth episode being a guest expert. And then if there is a fifth Thursday of the month, then you know, it's kind of a grab bag, anyone's guess. But this month, I'm going to switch it up a little bit as I'm going to do this three part series on the early stages of dating someone, which I'm really excited about. All right. And last thing before we get started, if you love this podcast, if you love this show, and if you've never left a rating or review wherever you listen to the show, I know you're probably tired of me asking, but it really, really does help. So if you just could take a quick moment to tap some stars or leave a review wherever you listen, it really, really does help the show so, so much. And I will be eternally forever grateful for you. All right, so here is the number one mistake that I notice my clients make when they are in the early stages of dating someone, and that is they're dating from a place of fear. Now, I want to break this down because obviously fear is not a bad emotion. I don't want fear to become the enemy, so we're going to break it down, but ultimately that is the number one mistake. So here's the situation. Maybe you had a bad breakup or a bad relationship or you got completely blindsided, heartbroken, whatever it was, and you've come out on the other side. And so, of course, you want to protect yourself. You, of course, want to avoid a situation like that from happening again. And that's completely normal. And in fact, it's your brain's job to keep you safe. So your brain is going to almost in a primal way going to help you take certain actions or not take certain actions that will help you avoid rejection at all costs. So your brain and you will do everything you can to keep yourself safe physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually safe, right? Here's the thing. Fear can't run the show when it comes to your love life. So often what will happen is, again, there will be a bad situation or a codependent relationship or just something, right? Whatever that something is for you. And what often happens is clients will, or what I notice that women will do is that they will overcorrect. And instead of having firm boundaries, they end up building really strong walls. And the walls keep everyone out, even potentially great partners, emotionally available people, kind people, all that kind of stuff. So let's talk about rejection for a second, because we need to better understand rejection, because ultimately, despite whatever your past situation was, you are trying to avoid rejection, because rejection is very painful, and because it is a catalyst for you to tell some painful stories to yourself about yourself, like, oh, no one loves me, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not lovable, or I'm too this, or I'm too that, or whatever. So let's get one thing straight. Your brain is wired to avoid rejection at almost all costs, because at one point in our human existence, rejection was ultimately a death sentence, right? Humans traveled around in packs, and so if you were rejected from that pack, you probably were going to die because you needed the pack for safety and for warmth and for food and for connection and for community, not to mention procreation right? So if you were rejected, you would do everything in your power to get back into that pack of humans that rejected you, right? And so the problem is that society has evolved pretty quickly. But if you you know remember from AP bio or whatever, <laughs> evolution in terms of our physical body doesn't happen that quickly. And so 
when your body is going into this, I'm going to die kind of feeling if you get rejected by this person, even if you don't even like them that much, even if you don't even know the person that well, it's because your body is literally having a primal response. Your brain doesn't understand that we're talking about texting or tender or some asshole dude, right? Your brain is thinking, oh my goodness, saber tooth tigers, warmth, food, all that kind of stuff. So the mistake isn't that you try to protect yourself or that you have fear. The mistake is that this fear runs the show. So you have to learn when and how to override your brain. So I want to say a couple of things about fear. I'm not talking about the kind of fear when you are truly in a scary situation, like when you're driving in a bad storm, someone groping you in a bar, encountering a bear when you hike. There are really legitimately scary situations that you might find yourself in occasionally. And when you are in those situations, I would expect you to feel the fear because what fear will do is it'll tell your body, hey, something's not right. And it'll kick adrenaline in and it'll kick in your flight or fight response in and it'll be your best shot at getting to safety. Okay, so the fear that I'm talking about, not just in this episode, but all three of these episodes in this series is the stories and beliefs you carry around that aren't true, or used to be true, but aren't anymore. So what I mean by that is, let's say this is going to go back into inner child stuff. But let's say you grew up in a house where you had to, you know, perform or do really well, like at sports or Uh, your grades or help around the house or whatever, in order to get attention or love or affection from your parents. So you probably created some belief of, oh, man, I have to do all these things in order to be good enough in order to be lovable in order to be worthy or whatever it is, right. And so that can create a fear or a story around, oh, if I don't do this, I'm not going to be enough. If I get rejected, what is that going to mean? Or if nobody loves me, what is that going to mean? So that's the kind of fear that I'm talking about. And this can also exist from, you know, deep-rooted beliefs or deep-rooted fears that are more societal-based rather than from your family of origin-based. And what I mean by that is society has done a really, really good job of making you feel terrified of being single, especially at quote-unquote your age. And I put that in air quotes because that is a thing that I hear all the time. I thought I would have met somebody by now. I thought at my age, I would have been here or whatever, right? So a lot of that stuff is ingrained from society and it's all just fears and beliefs that we are fed and that we keep feeding ourselves and we play into. Okay. So again, the work isn't to make the fear bad. The work is not to make yourself feel bad for having the fear. So please don't make yourself wrong. The work is to unpack, heal, and move the fear from the driver's seat to the back of the car. Now, yes, this might require some inner work, especially some inner child work. So if you've done that, then you know what I'm talking about. Um, If you've done that and you're like, well, I've already done that, Veronica, then you might have some more to do. And that's fine because like we always are unpacking and healing and growing and all that kind of stuff. And to be honest, I don't think that stuff ever really ends. So if you have been doing a lot of inner work and you still have fear or the fear is still calling the shots, then that's okay. You know what? You still have some more work to do. And it doesn't mean anything other than the fact that you're still on this path. And guess what? You'll probably always be on this path because we always will be. Now that we've unpacked the fear, why it's there, why it's normal, and how I want you to relate to it, it's not good or bad. It just is what it is. I want you to start thinking about how fear influences the things you do or don't do in your love life. 
because dating from a place of fear will keep you playing safe and keep you in your comfort zone. And when you're in that place, it's very difficult to connect emotionally with yourself, let alone anyone else. Because your brain is working so hard to protect yourself, you actually inhibit your ability to connect and be vulnerable and emotionally intimate in the right places. Because again, your brain is just like in this high state of alert. So let me give you a couple examples. Let's say you start dating someone who seems really great on paper. They might have a great career and solid finances and they seem attractive and whatever, you know. So you think you should like this person because again, they quote unquote, check off all the boxes, but you're just not feeling it. So you keep at it because to end it would be yet another failure on your list. Or that would mean if you ended it, that would mean you were single again and back to square one. And what will other people think? What will you think about yourself? Or maybe you're like, well, this is just what healthy love feels like. It just it's kind of boring and and dull. Or you don't know if there's anyone else better, or you don't know if you can get anyone else better, or you think this is probably the best I can do. I should probably just, you know, learn to be happy or grateful and maybe the love will grow. So can you feel the fear and those reasonings for trying to make it work? Here are some other examples. So you go on a date and you assume that someone is kind of a dick <laughs> until proven otherwise. And this, I've talked about this before on the show, but I'll just mention it again. Um, it's this idea of someone having to prove that they're innocent rather than guilty, rather than the other way around. So when you're dating from a more open, emotionally available place, then you want to date from a place of assuming the other person is innocent until proven guilty. Because it only takes one thing for someone to be like, oh, that person's not available, or that person is being a dick or whatever. But when it's the other way around, when you're assuming the person is an asshole or not available or going to lie or just going to leave or whatever it is, and then they have to prove to you otherwise, then it's not just one thing they can do. And then, oh, okay, cool, I can trust them. It's there's an infinite amount of things that they're going to have to do in order for you to be able to trust them and for them to earn your trust. So the reverse isn't true. Again, where someone is innocent until proven guilty, it takes one thing for you to see, oh, this is not going to work, or this person's not the right fit, or this person is a dick or whatever it is. But when you're dating from this place of like, they have to prove to me that they're a good person or not going to leave me or that they are trustworthy or whatever, they're probably never going to be able to do that because it would require an infinite amount of actions for them to be able to prove that to you right? So if that resonates, or if you know you approach dating like that, can you see how you're not actually really emotionally available because you are naturally standoffish? It's almost like you're trying to date and you're on this date and you've got your arms crossed and you're like, prove it to me, right? I mean, just put yourself into that energy, right? Like you're not really available to be emotionally intimate or vulnerable with that person because you're making them prove it to you that they are in fact available when you actually aren't really acting that emotionally. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Available. So here are some other examples. You don't send the first text. You don't initiate anything. You don't ask for what you need. You pretend something is okay when it's not. You try to be easygoing or quote unquote fun loving. This makes it seem like you're chill and easy to be in a relationship with so that you don't scare the other person off and don't seem like too much or you don't seem like a nag or whatever it is. But the truth is you're human, which means you do have emotions and needs. And what kind of foot are you starting this relationship off on if you pretend like you don't and you're coming again from this place of fear of not sharing how you feel, what you want, anything else that would be scary or vulnerable to share? And let me ask you this, what kind of person do you think is available to be in a relationship where you aren't showing up as your full self? So like I said, the brain is wired to keep you safe. But another way to say that is it's your brain's job to keep you in your comfort zone. Outside of your comfort zone, according to your brain, are saber-toothed tigers. But we are living in 2022, unless you're listening to this episode way out in the future, in which case it's whatever year it is. But the point is, is there's definitely not saber-toothed tigers around. But outside your comfort zone is where true emotional vulnerability and intimacy exist. Exciting and new relationships, people thought you'd never date, and deep love that isn't just about filling each other's voids are all outside your comfort zone. Your brain does not want you to go there. So there will be times in your love life where your intuition has to override that. So recently with my clients, I've been talking a lot about fear-based action and intuitive-based actions. And I want to talk about these two concepts with you because that will help explain what I mean by your intuition having to override your brain sometimes. So any fear-based action is obviously what it sounds like. It's an action based out of fear, where an intuitive-based action is an action based out of intuition. So let me give you some examples of fear-based yeses and nos. A fear-based yes is trying to make a relationship work because you're afraid of being single again or having another failed relationship, um, or maybe you're afraid of starting over or you really want to have biological kids and so you stay with someone. These are all things that you are doing. So there's an affirmative action here, but it's coming from a place of fear. A fear-based no, for example, is not sharing how you feel because you're not sure how the other person feels and you don't want to be embarrassed or rejected or anything like that. An intuitive-based action, again, as it sounds, is an action coming from your intuition. So an intuitive-based yes is letting someone know you're interested and maybe even asking them out on a date because you want them to know how you feel and you would like to see them. And by the way, I asked my husband out on our first date. And I'm pretty sure I did not emasculate him. And we still have a really wonderful feminine masculine dynamic. Just feel like I should say that. An intuitive based no, an example is saying no to relationship 
even if they seem great on paper and you quote unquote should like them, they mark all the boxes, etc. But you know, in your heart, you don't feel it. And so you have to say no. So I want you to think about some past decisions you've made in your life, certainly your love life, for sure. However, you can look at decisions you made in your career, jobs you said yes or no to. I know for one, actually, after I um, uh, actually after the Obama campaign ended, I didn't have a job. And I was really scared. And, you know, obviously, there's reason to be scared because money is important. Money is how you pay the bills. But I was also living at home with my mom. So I had, you know, plenty of, of runway if, if needed. And I certainly could have had like a plan Z action. However, I was feeling scared. And so I just took the first job that I got offered. And it was a horrible job. It was horrible. I hated it. However, you know, in the end, it all worked out because <laughs> I hated that job so much. It's what inspired me to start my own business. But that would be an example of a fear-based yes that I took. So again, you can look at love life decisions, career decisions, friendships, etc. And just notice where you've made some intuitive-based decisions and fear-based decisions and notice where each of those kinds of decisions got you. I think you would be really hard-pressed to find a time in your life when an intuitive-based decision led you astray. I mean, feel free to prove me wrong, but I think you'd have a really hard time finding an example. You can probably find a lot of examples where fear-based yeses and nos led you to crappy relationships, crappy jobs, crappy apartments, crappy homes, crappy whatever, right? And, you know, we could look at it in the bigger picture and it was all working out and you had lessons to learn and blah, 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 of course. But also we can look back at our previous decisions and use that as information to heal and grow to make more intuitive-based decisions rather than fear-based decisions in the future. And again, just to remind you, we're talking about fears that you create in your head, not actually potentially dangerous situations where you did have to take an action based on a fear. So a lot, if not most, of fear-based actions go against your intuition. And when you're disconnected from your intuition, you're disconnected from how you feel, your needs, your desires. And dating will feel a lot like, you know, throwing some darts with a blindfold on. You might get a bullseye, but more likely you are going to just miss a lot. And you're like, well, I think this sounds good. Or I think this person might be good. Or I think this person might be trustworthy. Let's just see, right? Your intuition will tell you all of that information. But if you're only dating from your brain, from the head, which again, were all these fears and the stories that we tell ourselves and that we live as if we're absolute truth. When we're dating from that place, we really, we really don't know. And moreover, you may not know even what to ask for or what you want from your relationship or your partner, because you just don't know yourself what you feel or how you feel or how you want to feel because there's so much disconnection between you and your intuition. And by the way, you get all of this from your intuition. Your intuition will tell you how you feel, how you want to feel, what you need to do in order to feel like that. And that's why I call this new curriculum that I'm creating Embodied Dating. And in Embodied Dating, you tune into how your body feels and what it needs in order to make your next move, take your next action. To be clear, Embodied Dating and intuitive-based actions are not going to rejection-proof you but they will help you to build rejection resilience. So rejection proofing yourself is pretty much what it sounds like. You are dating from a place of avoiding all rejection. So like we talked about before, think about all the fear-based actions. 
You're not asking for what you want. You're not sharing how you feel. You wait for the other person to reach out and to make all of the moves or et cetera, et cetera. You don't go out at all or you assume someone else wouldn't be interested in you. So you reject yourself before you give them the chance to reject you, right? These are all forms of rejection proofing yourself. You're doing everything you possibly can to avoid that saber tooth tiger, aka rejection, right? But rejection proofing yourself is really just an illusion because even if you are dating from a place of this fear and rejection proofing yourself, you probably still have been rejected, right? So you can't actually control that. You can't actually avoid all rejection. And so what embodied dating allows you to do and what intuitive based decisions allow you to do are to build rejection resilience. And rejection resilience is wow, this person doesn't like me back or they don't feel the way I thought they felt. This really freaking sucks. I'm going to feel really pissed about it. I'm going to feel really sad about it. I'm going to have to grieve this. You might have to feel some uncomfortable emotions, but those uncomfortable emotions that you feel and sit in and work through do not bump up against what you make it mean. So it's not like, oh God, I'm rejected again. Like what is wrong with me? Why does anyone want to be with me? I must be too fat. I must be too old, right? Rejection resilience is just, wow, this really sucks. And it doesn't bump up against your self-worth or the stories that you tell yourself. And it doesn't further add on to fears and stories in your head that you then bring to future texting, relationships, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So to recap today, today we talked about the number one mistake that I notice a lot of women make in the early stages of dating. And that is dating from a place of fear and an attempt to avoid past mistakes or rejection. Here's the thing. We can learn from past mistakes for sure. However, you can do that without building walls. You can do that with very firm boundaries. You can do that moving forward, taking you know, taking emotional risks with intuitive based decisions, that's not going to rejection proof you, you still might experience rejection, but it will allow you to date from this place of being more emotionally available to yourself and to others that will allow you to connect more that will also allow you to connect more with your intuition. So you can see red flags easier, know whether or not someone is right for you, especially if they look great on paper, et cetera, et cetera. So in part two of this series, which will come out next week, I'm going to talk about how you can start practicing embodied dating so you can build your rejection resilience that we've been talking about, how you can make intuitive based decisions and overall feel less fear and anxiety in your love life, especially in those early stages of dating. And again, I'm including everything from that first message all the way to the where is this going stage. And by the way, on June 20th, so that's about 10 days from now or so, I am opening up a brand new workshop called Embodied Dating, How to Navigate Dating Someone New Without the Stress, Anxiety, or Fear. I'm so excited about this brand new workshop. So in this workshop, you'll learn my three-step process to help you manage and let go of fear, worry, and anxiety in your love life, especially in the early stages of dating someone new. And you'll learn how to identify how you feel, why you feel it, and how you can get those needs met either by you or the person that you're dating. Again, without the fear or the overwhelm or the, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. You'll also learn how to know if someone is the right fit for you without agonizing, overanalyzing, or obsessing. So this workshop is going to be under 100 bucks, and we will get to spend the week together because I'll teach this workshop over a series of, it'll be three different workshops over the series of a week. So you'll have plenty of time to catch up on the recordings if you missed and do the homework assignments, etc. I'm so excited. I'm going to be limiting spots to 
probably 40 or so, uh, because I just want to make sure that I can answer questions and all that kind of good stuff and have time and space for for everyone who might have questions for me live during the workshop. So make sure you watch this space because again, spots are limited and I expect them to fill up and fill up pretty quickly. So what you can do right now is you can go to veronicagrant.com forward slash embodied dating. And if you land on that page before June 20th, then that will get you on the wait list. And I'm actually going to send the wait list out one day early so they can grab one of those spots if they want. And so you can sign up there. And then if you are, if you go to that page and it's after June 20th, and there are still spots available, then that's where you will sign up. And if you're listening to this episode way later, or the spots are already filled up, you can still go there. And I'm not sure what the next stage of this embodied dating workshop will be. I might just do the whole thing again, or I might expand it into a larger experience for you. So just make sure that if you are interested, and you really do want to dive into embodied dating with me that you go there. Uh, so that you can join me in the workshop, hopefully in June 2022. And if you're listening to this way out in the future, there'll be whatever this next iteration or new dates or whatever will be there. So again, veronicagrant.com forward slash embodied dating. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. 